0: Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, it is Fairway Rolling, the golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. It is a very special edition of Fairway rolling because it's a special week it's a major week it is glory's first shot and there is only one proper way to help all you birdie buddies out there all you eagle enthusiasts all you par saving pals as you formulate your strategies for allocating a little capital for your dfs for your fantasy and that's with our homeboy justin ray from the 15th club He's back. It's been too long. Of course, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, is here to help us navigate all that there is to talk about at TPC Harding Park. The first tee is open. It's going to be a threesome. Me, JR, and Nathan. Let's get on and talk to those boys. I am excited. I mean, I, I I can't really contain myself. We had a great preview show that went up Monday. We taped with Golf Golf Digest, Joel Beal. Check that out if you want to hear about some of the storylines. This show up on Wednesday, which is always the, the show when I start, you know, my, my deep dive research. We want to try and th- make up a little bit of a game plan for how to allocate some capital, s- get some successful DFS lineups, fantasy, what what have you. This one is really when we start putting the, the the pedal to the metal and I'm just so happy we have major golf imminently in our lives and there is nobody better to talk through some major golf analytics than our guy Justin Ray, Jr. How are you, buddy? I'm wonderful. Good to be talking to you again. Uh, it's been too long, man. It's been too long. I mean, they, the the uh, Golf Channel threw up a stat uh, last night in in some of their uh, preview coverage, which has been outstanding. I've really been enjoying it. About you know the the amount of time that has lapsed since the last major. In, in professional golf, and it's, yeah. you know, uh, I think the number up. I think the number just said too damn long. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Well, uh, JR, head of content at the 15th Club, and the thing that I, 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 I like, this is why you are on this show, this is why you've been doing it for years now here on Fairway Rolling. The 15th Club is telling the true story of golf performance, and that is what we're going to do for all of our par-saving pals out there. No yes? question. Yes, yes, absolutely. No question. Cut through the clutter give you the data that matters. That's it. Cut through the clutter and give you the data that matters. Now, I want to start with a terrific tweet that you threw up uh, earlier in this week. Let's just go ahead and dispense with all of the storyline cliches. You tweeted out you know that, that everybody... <laughs> but by 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 the time folks will be hearing this you folks will will have heard that Bryson DeChambeau has never finished better than 15th in a major probably 200 times yeah um we, we we've also heard uh you know finally people are all catching on glory's first shot we we used okay. that uh on, on our show that went up monday how about Though, marine saw- layer
1: I think marine layer is on the bingo card this week. We're going to hear
0: marine layer another 6,000 times. (laughs) Although I saw somebody comment that maybe in the northern part, in northern California, it's fog. And marine layer is in the south. I'm not from the west coast, so I don't know.
1: My brother lives in San Francisco. Apparently, the fog in San Francisco has a name. Oh. They call it Carl. I'm not making this up. Carl uh, with a K.
2: Into
0: it. My brother told me about it, but.
2: Carl with a K. He's got his own Twitter account.
0: We're going to talk about Carl, I think, when we try and break down what to expect out of this venue. A um, couple other cliches. I just want to go ahead and clear it. Rory won the match play event here. Rory McIlroy won the match play event here in 2015. Correct. Rory hasn't won a major in six years. We did mention both of those on, on our Sunday, Monday pod as well. Well, We wouldn't be doing it
1: justice if you didn't mention these things.
0: Yeah, that's right. we'll just get them all out of the way. So we don't have to repeat ourselves now.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Tiger five and O at Harding park in the O nine president's cup. You'll hear that one. Yeah. Um, And we'll definitely hear about Bryson and however many protein shakes he drinks every day. Now Um, (laughs) there's, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole big list of them. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll eventually rattle through all of them, but. Yeah, hopefully I can give you some information that goes beyond that. that helps, yes. yes. helps, helps everybody make a few uh, smarter picks this week.
0: Well, speaking of, of, of trying to make smarter picks, we have a little bit of an interesting challenge in front of us by trying to kind of roadmap this venue because yeah. it ha- has not hosted a stroke play event since 2005.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, there's not a ton of information to glean from. Um, the WC match play obviously was there five years ago. Another uh, card on the bingo. Bingo. Rory McIlroy went 7-0 and in match play at uh, Harding Park in 2015. You can get a little bit of information from there, but the truth is match play courses are typically set up by the PGA Tour for action, for scoring, for things to go up and down. It's a different setup than for a PGA championship. So... A lot of the data that came from the match play that week kind of indicated that this would be a a pretty easy course to drive the ball around on. The rough isn't going to be very penalizing. Tiger, when he won here in two thousand five, I'll give you an example how I think it'll be a little bit different. The setup when Tiger won here in five, he hit less than forty percent of the fairways. I don't think that's necessarily a recipe for great success this week. uh, Based on some of the early pictures, I do think that uh, this course is going to really set up well for the guys who can hit it a long way, even more so. Uh, than usual on tour. Um, But, you know, the the driving distance is a big thing. You look at the guys who finished first and second in those two events, uh, the 05 WGC and then the match play, Tiger Woods beat John Daly in 05, which, wow, that's a lightning in a bottle time capsule moment there. And in the other instance, Rory beat Gary Woodland. All right, I give you those four guys, Tiger and his prime and those three, and the one thing that pops into your head is they can crush the ball off the tee. So I think there's something to be said for that. Um, Some of our performance analytics indicate that the most significant approach shot this week is going to be between 175 and 200 yards. Um, Brooks Kefka mentioned today in his press conference that he had a few more long irons than he's used to um, out there. So I think you're going to see that a lot. Some of the guys who rank really high in those proximity stats from that distance are guys like Rory, Justin Rose, Mark Leishman's a really good player with his mid to long irons. Um, So I expect a little bit of that. And some of our data also suggests too, that you can probably see, and this this tends to come when the approach shots are further away. You're going to see guys have to hit more putts from the 15 to 25 foot range you might might normally see week to week, or maybe you know last week or the three M Open or something on the PGA Tour. Um, Webb Simpson leads the PGA Tour in putts made outside 10 feet. Patrick Reed's really good in that stat, and Gary Woodland, the guy who I like a lot this week, is sixth in that statistic. So those are some of the key things I'm looking at. I'm interested to see some of the guys who played in Memphis in air that was much different than they're experiencing um, in San Francisco. Tony Finau said in his press conference today that he thinks in Northern California, the ball goes shorter there than anywhere else he can remember playing. I think there's something to be said for guys early in the week, trying to calibrate some of those distances who were in Memphis at the uh, playfully coined TPC swamp ass, you know, where it was (laughs) hundred, you know, 105 heat index or whatever it felt like out there. Big big difference today where you've got you know Tiger woods already talking about core warmth and and stretching and things to get loose and you're like all right this isn't this ain't memphis this is this is something completely different so okay, those are a couple of things i'm kind of interested in course wise going into the week
2: the temperature out there right now is about fifty eight degrees it's you know we're recording this in the early afternoon it looks like th- the wind has been up pretty heavy this week, but that things are going to settle a bit come Thursday, Friday, and that we might even get some some warmer, slightly warmer temperatures than we've had now. Justin, who do you... I mean, that really means that some of the calibration that's going on right now is going to have to be adjusted because that marine layer or Carl car the Fog, whatever you want to call it, is hanging out there right now, but maybe giving guys a little bit different read on the course than they're going to see Thursday, Friday. Are there guys who are better at adjusting to those changing conditions that we should be looking out for?
1: Um, this is going to be an easy answer to give you, but it's typically just the guys who are the best players in the world, you know, who are able to. <laughs> yeah. Game travels everywhere. And if you're an elite ball striker, if you're somebody like Justin Thomas, who of the last 18 to 24 months is probably the best iron player on the planet. Um, if you're somebody like John Rahm, who didn't have a great week last week, but um, was excellent T to green when he won uh, at Muirfield village a few weeks ago, those guys tend to be able to, you know, pick up wherever, wherever they go, the game seems to carry somebody like bubble Watson, maybe who's kind of enigmatic and um, doesn't necessarily, if he doesn't like the way something feels early in the week, he can get derailed quickly. I don't know. Bob is an easy guy to pick on in that department, I guess, because it's kind of the first guy that comes to mind, but um, yeah, it, it, that's a, that's a tough thing to measure guys who are able to adjust uh, from place to place. But I think a guy like, let's say JT, who's won on all different kinds of surfaces and places everywhere. He's won in Hawaii and Malaysia and Tennessee and it you know, doesn't matter where it is. Like he's been able to be successful. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough thing to kind of measure, but that's who I'd kind of lend having the, uh, the upper hand there being able to adjust midweek, depending on the uh, climate.
2: Well, let's talk about JT because uh, House and I were texting offline. You know, when you looked at how he actually won on Sunday, he had a lot of things go his way. I mean, yeah. we saw some of the things that got scary down the stretch at workday, which is that it seems like when the pressure's on, he starts to bring Dr. Blocky on the driver out and start spraying him right. And, and he almost, I mean, with a little bit of a harder charge from Brooks, he was going to be under some pressure. How, how do you feel about Justin Thomas coming into this week?
1: Well, and if, if he doesn't hit that bridge, I forget on which hole it was on that tee shot. I mean, you might have a completely different set of circumstances coming down the stretch. Um, I tend to err on the side instead of maybe thinking about, uh, like you said, Mr. Blocky showing up down the stretch here and there. I tend to err on the side of a guy who's putting himself into situations where he can, is, is in he has a chance to contend week in and week out. I tend to err towards the positive on that rather than, you know, saying maybe he didn't, you know, things fell apart at work day. Colin Morikawa makes that unbelievable putt on top of JT's make, or else Thomas might have two wins here in the uh, since the return to golf. Um, like I said, statistically, I think he's the best iron player in the world right now. Um, he was second in the field last week in strokes Gain approach. Um, he leads the tour in strokes gained approach. Getting a last season um, that tends to carry uh, that tends to carry everywhere you go. JT two. This feels a little bit to me, and I, I think I tweeted something about this a couple nights ago. It feels a lot like Rory McIlroy in 2014 when he headed to Valhalla. Um, Rory entered the final round at Bridgestone trailing Sergio Garcia that year. He came back, lit it up on Sunday, won by a couple of shots, and then with that win, regained number one in the world, then went to Valhalla and, and won there, won his second PGA championship. Justin Thomas this week, he entered final round, different course, but final round of the WGC, a few shots back, regained number one with a big win, and now is headed to the PGA looking for his second PGA championship. So there's a little bit of a feel there, kind of familiar to me, where I think it's – there are guys who are really close to JT, maybe not the separation Rory had as the best player in the world at that time, but a guy kind of ascending back into that spot with a big victory and now heading with that momentum to the PGA Championship. It feels a little bit like Rory in 2014 in that sense.
0: So uh, I'm obviously a big dummy. Um, I mean, I wasn't going to say it. <laughs>
2: you have I, the stats on that, Justin. There we I'm do sure. have <laughs> the
0: stats. I, there are a lot of receipts. I, I've already crossed JT off my win list. Not my top five list, not my top ten list, but my guys that are going to win – Because he won last week. Now that's overly simple. That has, you know, no bearing on, you know, exactly what kind of form he's in and so forth. But there is over the last 40 years, lots of evidence that tends to indicate that a guy who wins the week before a major doesn't also win the major, right? From a probability standpoint.
1: Yeah. Like it's really hard to win two golf tournaments in a row and it doesn't happen very often. So from a, just a sheer odds and numbers standpoint, yeah, it's more likely that a guy that didn't win last week is going to win this week simply because the numbers are like 98% to 2% or whatever the case may be, unless your name is Eldrick, you know, then it's a little different. So, but yeah, no, I mean, look in the last 50 years, only two guys have won on the PGA tour and then won the PGA championship the next week. It was. Tiger in 07 and Rory in 2014, it doesn't happen very often, but I think, and look, if that's a a reason enough for you to scratch them off the win list, there's lots of other nominees who I think are going to contend and have a really good shot to win. I just don't think that's necessarily a really legitimate reason to cross JT.
0: (laughs) Well, I I started off with, with the caveat. I want to touch on something that both you and Nate kind of identified here where we're trying to like, you know, come up with lines of demarcation around types of players and guys that might have success. And I'm wondering if you've looked at, you know, because a bunch of these names have already come up in our conversation, guys that have had success in California. If there's anything to be made, we've already talked about Gary Woodland who won at Pebble Beach last year. We um, have uh, touched on John Rahm who has a great track record uh, out in, in California. Tiger obviously has an impeccable record in California, an, un, an un, un, unmatched record in California. And then we have some young guys that also fit some of the things you're talking about. Colin Morikawa, who has a Northern California uh, relationship. Cal uh, Berkeley, his his alma mater, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from TPC Harding Park. He's played the venue and competed there before. Patrick Cantlay from Southern California, Xander Shopley from Southern California. So is there anything to be made of this like California tilt? I would say this week, you
1: know, typically California, Florida, you're able to make that kind of delineation in terms of guys you expect to play well because of grass type. But I would say because the greens from reports out in uh, San Francisco, they're not POA this week. That's where I tend to like Brant Snedeker statistically is the best putter on POA last five six years that little pop stroke he's an aggressive putter it tends to work out in his favor on poa greens but we don't have that this week at harding park so i think there's a little bit less significance there now in terms of maybe playing when there is a little bit denser air and your ball being able to cut through some of the heavier air in northern california um i think you saw that last year at pebble beach look gary woodland won Brooks Kepka finished second. John Rahm was right there. These are all guys with piercing ball flights that's able to carry through there. I think that might have a little bit of, of weight to it, but in terms of just the California thing, maybe the, I think the grass type really kind of lends itself to where it's not quite as significant as you may think.
2: Justin, I think you gave away the goods in the first few minutes of this podcast because what you told us is that putts from 15 to 25 feet are going to be a huge factor this week and and i've i've been getting some texts this morning from some people in the middle of their practice rounds out there who are saying that look yeah it's true this is a bomber's paradise and it's true that you're going to have to be deadly with your long irons but the greens are relatively big and flat and they're really pure and so that feels like depending on what happens with the rough that the guys who can drain those 15 to 25 footers are really going to be the ones who can compete. But so let's talk about the rough, because that's going to have a lot to do with how close people get. What we're hearing is it's really patchy, that right now on Tuesday, none of it is horrible, but there's some spots where it's maybe 7 out of 10 hard, and then a foot away, it's 2 out of 10. So it's Tuesday. That means they've got the option to grow that up a little bit. But how do you feel, if I tell you that that rough is going to get a lot worse, does that change how you think about the Bombers and their chances this week?
1: That's a good question. Um, If the rough does tend to get a little bit worse, I might actually put a little bit more emphasis on those guys who are really good at making putts from 20 to 30 feet. Um, You would think that there's going to be more Frequent approach shots that land at that range. If the rough is more penalizing, right, it's going to be tougher to get it close. And you know, it's it's a stark contrast. Like last week, six of the last eight winners at TPC Southwind led the field that week in strokes gained T to green. It is purely a ball striking evaluation on that golf course. I think here you're going to get a little bit more, a little bit more balance in terms of the statistical profile of the guy who fits it. Um, where depending on how penalizing that rough is you know, misses around the green could be a little bit more penalizing too. So um, you look at guys who have really good um, short games to accompany, you know, being able to be a good power hitter as well. Um, There are two guys on the PGA tour this season who are in the top 10 in both scrambling and strokes gained off the tee. Xander Schauffele, one of those California guys and Bryson DeChambeau are the two that fit that profile. So um, yeah, the rough is a really interesting part. I mean, like I said, at the match play in 2015, and even in 05, with the WGC at Harding Park, the rough just wasn't that penalizing. And so a lot of the data we're, we're pulling from those two events, uh, if Kerry Haig, you know, grows that rough out a little bit, PGA of America makes it a little bit tougher, um, th- that data is going to have a little bit less weight in terms of picking what what's going to be most significant as the tournament plays out. But that's one of the most interesting things to me early in the week is seeing how penalizing that rough is and, uh, you know, seeing which guys are able to, you know, keep it out of it or, you know, overcome the fact that their
0: tee shots miss. For anybody's quick break, to make sure that you know to get your entries in to the Fairway Roland Doe contest on FanDuel, there are four events. This PGA Championship is the first of them. The Fairway Roland Doe Invitational on FanDuel this is a DFS Daily Fantasy Golf leaderboard series. You enter four contests starting this week with the PGA Championship. The other contests will be the U.S. Open, the Tour Championship, and the Masters. And after each round, they're gathering up the scores, collecting them, and posting them on a leaderboard. For each contest, of course, you can still win thousands of dollars in cash prizes but we are taking a tally of how you do over each of these four contests and we've got one hell of a prize package my par saving pals not only is there an exclusive fairway rolling doe championship jacket not only do you get a lifetime supply of bragging rights we are offering to the winner of this fairway rolling Doe invitational an appearance on this very podcast, you're going to join me. You're going to join our PGA correspondent, Nathan Hubbard. We might even be able to get the pot father himself, Bill Simmons to join us. If you don't finish at the very tippy top, you could still win. We got ringer gear to send to folks. Just listen to the Bill Simmons podcast and the Fairway Roland podcast throughout this golf sprint that we are about to embark on to find out how you stack up against the competition. Go to FanDuel to enter the Fairway roland Doe leaderboard series. Age and location restrictions apply, my birdie buddies. The most compelling storyline since the restart has been uh enigma the incredible bulk beefy bryson himself uh and his reinvention of his own um his own physique and his uh, his own uh approach to the game that's carried along with it a kind of a, an edge that that a lot of us have been you know detecting and and you know is showing kind of an attitude that we were we're not everybody is is sold is is the as path to success. What are you thinking about Bryson's chance, chances this week?
1: So, I think the thing that's kind of maybe overshadowed, like look, the spectacle is one thing. The fire ants thing last week, the rules official back and forth a few weeks ago at Mirfield Village, you know, the Instagram video, weird video with the workout re- montage. Like that's one thing. But the truth is this guy is by far now the best driver of the golf ball in the sport. So I'll give you a a statistic here. The first part is a little jargony. The second part's going to give you the context of it. Bryson's averaging one and a quarter shot strokes gained off the tee per round. Okay. That's not only the, uh, since the restart, since the restart at colonial, that's not only the best on tour in that span, the gap between Bryson and number two is the same as the gap between number two, Cameron Champ, and number 26. That's the gap. That's the gap he's created with this pro team stake and lifting and swinging really hard driving advantage. He's created a legitimate gap between himself and everyone else in terms of gaining strokes off the team. Now, whether or not that translates to a major championship setup is yet to be determined. Like I said, Earlier, you know, the guy has as many top 10s and majors as I do. So that's not to say he doesn't have an amazing pedigree. You've got to be a hell of a player to win at the clip he has, to win a USAM and an NCAA in the same year. Like, he's an awesome player with a lot of potential, you know, all the sideshow stuff aside. But you've got to see whether or not that driving acumen is able to translate into the big championship setting. Um, I think this is the week where he contends in a major championship simply because driving – Prowess is so significant on this golf course. I'm not picking him to win, but I think that that horse fit with Bryson, that skill set, the way he's been playing since the restart, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with at Harding Park.
2: Well, the best thing the PGA did with Bryson this week is they paired him with Adam Scott. Who has been in his basement <laughs> for the last eight months, <laughs> like disconnected from the internet? I, I don't think Adam Scott's going to recognize him. Like
1: Adam Scott won at Riviera, and then he went surfing. I, I mean, I, I, he hasn't honestly, played in months. He's fascinating. To me.
2: Do you think he can recognize Bryson on the first tee? Like if Bryson introduces himself as Frank Bubbles, PGA Tour pro from Iowa, Adam Scott's going to believe it.
1: Oh yeah, he's going to have no ideas. Like. <laughs> Did you eat Bryson? Yeah, it's gonna well, it's gonna I mean, be ridiculous. Who is this person here? But so
2: that that's one of the sneaky interesting pairings that we got this week. Everybody, you know, uh, got euphoric about the JT Tiger Rory pairing, which you know I think I think that House and I both would tell you it's a fade JT week for us. But if anything can keep him mentally engaged the next week, it's going to be playing with those two guys. There's another interesting pairing you mentioned. A guy that you should be excited about, not just because he was runner-up here, but also because of some of the putting stats. And that's Gary Woodland, who's paired with Brooks, so he's going to be able to, you know, track him through the first couple of days. You know, we got Xander and Daniel Berger playing together. Do you put any stock in the pairings in the first couple of days? Statistically, is there any rhyme or reason to that, or is it all really for the cameras and it doesn't so much affect the way guys perform?
1: Uh, I don't think, not necessarily. You know, one of the things that I've always really liked over the years, especially in recent years, these two guys were huge rivals in their respective primes. But Phil has said in recent years that when I play with Tiger, it makes me better. And like I went through during the pandemic at one point and looked at every time Tiger had played with Phil compared to Phil's rounds with anybody else. And Phil was a shot better throughout his career per round playing with Tiger Woods than he was on every other golf course playing with everyone else. And they were typically paired together at U S opens when the US Open, USGA used to do one, two, and three in the same group. Um, these are difficult golf courses. That they'd be paired up together again. So maybe with some guys, there could be some validity to that, but in terms of, unless it was honestly, unless it was Brooks and Bryson together, which would have been just grab the popcorn and get ready for rounds one and two, if that's the case, I mean, hopefully we get to see them in a showdown on the weekend. That would be a fantastic theater on a great golf course in a big setting but i mean maybe there's a few guys here and there where there could be a little bit of a difference but i think on the whole when guys are paired together it doesn't make that much of an
0: impact yeah it seems like on that note the thing with the pairings that's perhaps more in- indicative of how things might go down is is the time split right the guys who have the opportunity to go out early on thursday and then play late on on friday and whatever the weather conditions, you know, might might kind of deliver under those those settings. Um, do you have a view yet as to which of of the time splits uh, might have an advantage or is it too early?
1: It's too early. I don't. I mean, I could I could invest time in it, but there's just no there's no bank of accuracy to go with there. It's it's yeah. tough to We're it's just a tough guessing. thing to predict. Now, I will say that, you know, I, I do expect there probably will be a split there that that makes some kind of difference and there will be an advantage based on Wave, but unfortunately, I can't give you any useful information on which one that's going to be. Well,
0: I was very glad to see Tiger get an early Thursday, late Friday, because that eliminates the thing, hopefully eliminates, I'm knocking on wood here, loudly, eliminates the thing that he encountered at the memorial, which was an afternoon tea time followed up by a morning tea time, and he couldn't get himself loose.
1: Yeah, yeah. I do think that when Tiger has a later tea time, especially in a cooler environment, He's gone. At, he's spoken at length about his need to, you know, give himself multiple hours to get ready, um, especially for a major championship competition. Depending on how good his back feels week to week, which is, if you know, anybody with a bad back, myself included, will tell you that any given day, you don't know. Sometimes you just don't have it. So um, he does need that time, and that that probably is a positive for Tiger. That's splitting the
2: TV. We're talking a lot about the weather, and the weather is feeling very European. <laughs> But we're not talking a lot of Europe about a lot of Europeans. Is there anybody who you know we're not talking about that we should be thinking about? I mean, Matthew Fitzpatrick has been playing some great golf. Hatton's been playing some great golf since he came back. Is there is there any of those players from across the pond that have snuck beneath the radar here? Who you think can do some some damage this week?
1: I'll give you. You mentioned one of the guys I want to talk about, but I'll give you a, a kind of like. A counter to common knowledge going into this week, right? Fitzpatrick's been playing great. He's he's had a couple of high finishes in a row. Um, 15th Club has a course uh, fit model predictor. Like I'm getting all the nerd stuff of it, but basically it uses player performance and course data to predict which players are going to fit best at a given course. Matt Fitzpatrick is one of the worst fits this week of anybody. Um, I tend to err on the side of you know. Player profile and years of data rather than the hot hand going into a tournament. Um, Fitzpatrick is somebody who, you know, look, he's, he's not going to hit the ball a whole lot uh, uh, in terms of distance. He's not going to hit it a long way. Um, he's going to win tournaments with his short irons and, and his short game. Um, I don't see, I, mean, I think that's the main reason he hasn't won on the US tour yet. He's won on some shorter courses in Europe, but he hasn't necessarily seen that success translate. He won the US amateur, but he hasn't seen that success translate on the PGA tour yet where distance tends to be a little bit more important. The flip side of that, there's a guy who's missed three cuts in a row. He is a former number one player in the world. He's been working through an equipment change that I think has impacted him more than, more. it's one of those things that we don't really talk about because the the equipment manufacturers kind of keep it under wraps and who's hitting what. And I think that's really impacted this guy. He has a top 20 in six of his last eight major championship starts Justin Rose is one of the players who our course fit model favors very highly this week. And I know people are going to be wary to pick him because look, he missed back-to-back cuts at Muirfield village, a golf course where he's won before. Um, But I have confidence in our course fit model. And I really do believe that Rose is going to bounce back and have a pretty good week this week. I, I don't think you should shy away from him based on recent results. He's, he has been able to take a little bit of time and maybe get, get that equipment situation a little bit fixed, get those distances dialed in. Um, he's not hitting the, the the clubs he was hitting the last year or so where you know you saw him kind of drop in the world rankings off that career peak a few years ago. Rose fits a lot of our analytical models really strongly this week.
0: Well, and, and he uh, was right there last year at Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open on Sunday. Yep. Mean, if you could have got a couple of those putts to fall, he had an incredible putting day on Saturday and then couldn't replicate it on Sunday. But if you're looking for you know, a guy with the tennis who, who obviously feels comfortable in Northern California, certainly fits that parameter as well, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. He's won at Torrey Pines. Um, like you said, he, I mean, he, I think when he shoots, he shot 63, I think, of the first round of the U.S. Open last year at Pebble. Um, you know, he's a, there, look, there's nothing that's going to spook the guy. Three missed cuts in a row. His confidence is not going to waver. He's done basically everything you can do in the sport of golf in his career. Um, I, and the course fit, I really have confidence in our new course fit models. I'll All stop right. on it. it. Sounds like an infomercial. I'll stop doing that. But
0: can there, c- can regular people get a look at that? What do we got to do to get a look at that thing?
1: Uh, we're working on it. We're working All on right. making it public. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. But yeah, no, uh, Rose is a guy who, like I said, I think is going to have a bounce back week. this week.
2: Well, so talk to us about some of the guys, uh, from JT's vintage who he's overshadowed just a little bit lately. And maybe maybe the course fit model can shed some insight on that, but there's three guys who, uh, one of whom we've been dancing around, not talking about, but but we'll, we'll name him in a second. The first is Daniel Berger, who in his last seven starts, he's got a first, a T2, a T3, a T4, a T5, a T9. I mean, he is playing terrific golf. He came out of that 2014 Corn uh, 2014 Ferry Tour class with JT. How do we feel about Berger first? Secondly, House talked about Xander, California guy. He feels like he's ready to break through. This is a tournament where sometimes you see a guy grab his first major. It's a California thing. How about Xander? And then, lastly, we don't want to speak his name, but if this is going to be a putting contest, Jordan Spieth is going for the Grand Slam. Talk about those three guys and how they fit out here this week.
1: Well, Berger might be the most consistent player in golf over the last six months or so. Remember he had that streak where he didn't have a round over par from like October until a few weeks ago. Now, of course, big block of that, there wasn't golf, but that was a ridiculous streak. One of the longest on tour over the last 30 years or so. Um, Berger leads the PGA Tour since the restart and strokes gained total per round, um, meaning basically he's been the most consistently good player week in, week out since the tour has resumed. Um, you know, he's not a guy, he's a guy who he held the 54-all co-lead with Tony Finau at Shinnecock a few years ago, we all forget because Sunday was crazy. Saturday, Saturday was crazy too, you know, with the, the crazy weather conditions of that U.S. Open. Um, but Berger was contending there too, and he's a he's a he's a, guy a good who,
2: putter from ten to fifteen feet. He knows yeah, what he's and
1: doing. He, he had a great round Sunday at TBC Southwind, you know, a place where he's had a ton of success, obviously, in his career so far. Um, it's tough to not be bullish on Daniel Berger this week. You know, with just the the sheer form he's displayed in recent weeks um you've you got to be confident in him xander is is really interesting this week to me too now all the driving metrics suggest you know he's kind of he's not the biggest guy in stature he's not dj brooks bryson so you don't think this but xander is one of the best drivers of the golf ball on tour um he's top 5 on tour since the restart and strokes gained off the tee per round um he played really well last week in tennessee despite one hole he made a quad and a bogey and that was it those were the only mistakes he made the entire week led the field in bogey avoidance Um, like I said earlier, one of two guys on tour this season who's in the top 10 in both stroke skiing off the tee and scrambling. So you got power and touch. Um, The the cliche with Xander, I think a little bit, is the the term big game hunter, you know? But I think really he's performed well when elite driving has been rewarded. So I think at some of these major championships, a couple of the U.S. Opens where he's contended, um, that's been the case. He's played 11 major championships. He's finished sixth or better in five of them. I mean, that is, you say, trending towards, you know, knocking down the door, maybe kicking it down a place where, uh, you know, in California, like you said, this, this could be a good fit for Xander this week, too. You feel like Obama, he's got to win one at some Robinson point. Metrics. Jordan, the last guy you mentioned, can you imagine, let's say, we've just left the 2017 Open, and we say, okay, three years from now at the PGA, Jordan's going to be going for the Grand Slam, and it's like number 62 on the storyline list. It's like, like he's know, not even there. You know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't be able to wrap your brain around it. Um, his course fit to bring it back of, from the model is not good this week. Uh, God, okay. Damn it! Coupling that <laughs> with this kind of inconsistent T to green play, um, hmm. he's still look. He's still a top five putter on the PGA Tour. He is since the restart. He is over the last two seasons. but That T to green play, it's just not consistent enough to give a lot of confidence in Jordan being able to finish it this week. He's got a ton of chances left, though, man. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be here for a long time, playing in a lot of PGA championships. I just don't think that he, you know, completes the tri- the rectangle of, of four this week. I just don't think it's a, it's his time.
0: Birdie buddies, quick break from this chat with Justin Ray. I want to talk to you about the Whoop strap. Whoop, it's a fitness wearable that provides personalized insight on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. I have one of these whoop straps. I've been wearing it on my wrist, just a little bit below where a watch goes. You can also get a bicep band if you want to wear it underneath your golf shirt. And I've had it on for about 10 days now and I'm, I'm kind of getting to like it. It's telling me two things. I need to get more sleep. I need to get a little bit better sleep and I could stand the workout a little bit harder than I already do. It's great feedback. It provides you with personalized insights and data to help you make smarter lifestyle decisions. There's a journal feature in there. It's a new feature and you're able to input your actions throughout the day and see what impact they have, both good and bad, on your sleep, recovery, and training. And it automatically detects and categorizes activities so you don't have to start and stop workouts or sleep. I love the fact that they partnered up with the PGA Tour. WHOOP has been all over the news lately after Justin Thomas said that it might have saved the PGA Tour. The Tour procured 1,000 straps for its golfers, caddies, and staff to help everyone involved at the tournament stay safe throughout the pandemic. It's been using respiratory rate to help members detect potential signs of illness before other symptoms develop. There's a sleep coach in there that's tailored to you it calculates your sleep need based on a variety of data points once you start wearing the thing it gets a feel for what your your rhythm is what your cycle of sleep is and has the ability to set levels to peak perform or get by depending on whatever it is that you have planned for the next day whoop is offering 15 percent off when you use the code fairway at checkout go to Whoop.com, w-h-o-o-p.com, and enter the code Fairway to save fifteen percent. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter with Whoop today. Whoop. We've covered a lot of the guys that um, tend to fall in a class that I'll kind of call like you know the 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 second tier. I want to get your views on who's going to win. I want to get your views on, you know, long, long shot sleeper guys to maybe fill out a DFS lineup, and then we're going to talk some Tiger Woods. Don't think that we're going to go through this podcast and not talk about Eldrick Tiger Woods, Jr.
1: Absolutely not. Um, I'll give you a super sleeper, way off the board. Uh, I saw this guy getting twenty two to one to finish in the top twenty. He, according to the course fit model, he is the best fit of any player relative to their ability. In the field this week, uh, veteran player, finished sixth in Abu Dhabi earlier this year. His name's Sean Norris. Journeyman, South African. Uh, he hits the ball a mile, can crush it. I think that his skill set fits really well. If you want to take a super sleeper flyer to maybe top 10 or top 20, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on this week. Um, the guy who's a little bit off the beaten path, who I think is going to contend we talked about already, Gary Woodland, I think fits here really well. Um, I think he's going to have a good week. My winner, we have not mentioned yet. And he always gets overlooked because he doesn't have a huge win total yet on the PGA Tour. Uh, I am picking Patrick Cantlay to win this golf tournament this week. Um, The guy does not have a weakness statistically. He's in the top 60 in every strokes gained denomination this season. Uh, He had the same kind of profile last year. He's a really good driver of the ball. He's in the top 40 in there. Elite iron player, fourth in strokes gained approach. Makes a ton of birdies, fifth in birdie average. He's from California, played golf at UCLA. He's got an incredible amateur pedigree. He's trending towards getting that breakthrough major win. And honestly, I like that a lot of people aren't talking about him right now. He's really talented. He's a hell of a player. I'm picking Patrick Cantley to win his first major this week.
0: I I love that. That's a that's a great call. I have him on on a whole bunch of different cards. He's another guy that's been playing well since the restart. He only has one kind of outlier bad performance. Uh So far, and I think that was really just because of one one round that he had, if I'm recalling it uh, correctly. But you 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 know all the stats on him,
1: yeah, remarkably consistent. And our data suggests that he's the third best player entering the tournament this week, behind only JT and Rory. So wow, um, we really our, our 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 analytics really like Cantlay. I like him from a story perspective with the California stuff too. When you you know take the numbers lens off of it and look at it. But the guy just doesn't have a weakness in his game. And I think that he's going to make enough birdies. He's had enough experience in major championship golf now. Um, he's my guy. I'm right. So, I, well, so, you, expect, so now it's like 79 on
0: Thursday. <laughs> you um, just compared yeah. him to a, another guy that I can't believe we haven't talked about at all. And that's Rory. What what What's yeah. going on with Rory? I, I asked on Sunday if if uh, Nate and, and Joel Beal from Golf Digest thought that maybe Rory's been playing possum so far. He's been
1: uncharacteristically off with his irons. You
0: know, usually we talk about the putter
1: not coming through for McIlroy whenever he struggles, which isn't that often over the last five or six years. But since the restart, he's played five tournaments. He has not ranked in the top 25 in strokes gained approach in any of them. So right now, something's off with the iron game, his distances. We talk about his wedge play, you know, not being great. Um, But that's something I think is easily, you know, seen by the naked eye, watching TV, watching a guy who we see every one of his shots, Right. You don't see every shot Patrick Cantley hits every week. You see everything Rory does everything Tiger does, you know? So, um, it, look I, this, like I've been saying, this is a course where distance is more beneficial than average that helps him. Um, but he's really going to need to hit his irons better if he wants to contend this week.
2: And I got to say, he's out there right now playing a practice round with Jason day and they're yucking it up. Guess who doesn't play practice rounds with other people? Tiger was out there by himself picking lines and hitting shots yesterday. Brooks always says he never wants to play with anybody else in a practice round because he doesn't want to give away his core strategy. There's just these moments over the past couple of years where I just wonder how deeply invested and focused Rory is on winning major championships. Of course, he wants to win. But is he really doing the work to peak in those moments? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I can't speak to that, but um, I, I, I can't see how one would garner that impression, you know. Maybe it's part of the reason why, you know, he feels like he'd be uh, – it's a great dude if you're stuck on a road trip with him. I'd much rather, you know, be stuck in a car for nine hours with Rory McIlroy maybe than, you know, a hyper-intense Brooks Kepka getting ready for a major. But that's not necessarily yeah. the – you know, I can see why maybe – you know, from a distance, you could think that watching him going into a major team. It's been
2: six years. It's time for Rory to step up and win a major. This it's has incredible been too long. That it's
1: been six years, right? It doesn't feel like it's been that long. You know, he won player of the year last year. You can debate whether or not Kepka should have won that. I would have been into Brooks, honestly. Yeah. It's, I looked this up and, and this is to say, I don't think anyone in their right mind could possibly imagine that Rory's not going to win another major, right? But there's 19 guys to win five majors, okay, in the men's professional game. The longest gap anyone had between wins four and five is four years. No one ever had a gap between major win four and five that was long. Now, obviously, you know, there's guys like you know, Tiger went more than a decade between 14 and 15. And, and I don't I, – I can't wrap my brain around the possibility that he wouldn't win another major championship. He's too good, too consistent. We were talking about how he couldn't finish out of the top ten before the pandemic. You know, we had like seven worldwide top tens in a row. But man, it's been six years, right? It's been a long time. And, you know, I I think th- I go back to the iron thing this week. It's really been uncharacteristic. He really hasn't hit his irons well the last month or two. He knows it. He's working on it. And you know, I, I just would need to see more. I would have liked to see seen better iron play last week in Memphis to, to put a lot of money on him this week.
0: Well, we, we've gone all this time. We've talked a little bit about him. There is a growing buzz I've been seeing on the social media, the interviews, the golf channel. There is a, an, a, a level of excitement that is increasing because Tiger Woods arrived out in San Francisco early. Somehow got himself a little early access out there to the golf course, maybe ahead of some other players. I don't know. And all of the signs so far this week have been positive. It seems Uh, there is a lot, you know, talk about the, the, the approach he's taking with the practice, the, his tiny entourage that that's practicing with him. He's physically talking about how, how good he feels I don't know, Jr. I'm not counting them out. Yeah,
1: I, it's impossible to to quote a line I've said every time I've talked about golf the last, since you know since college is you can't count out Tiger Woods because you can't. No, and look, nobody's more familiar going into big events with few reps. This guy's the king of it, you know. With the injuries that he's fought through the last uh, seven, eight, nine years, you know, it's he's gone into a lot of big events. He knows how to pre- more so than anybody else he'd know how to prepare himself for a major championship having not played a lot of competitive golf. Um, but I worry about the cold air. I don't know. I, I worry about his ability to get himself warmed up uh, at 44. No one's won a PGA 44 older since Lee Trevino in 1984. Um, I, I, I do think too, that look, he's got to hit his driver straight. I, and he doesn't necessarily always have to do that. that. That is not a thing that matters at Augusta national. It doesn't really matter at East. Lake. Like it, a lot of the places we've seen him had a lot of success. You're able to be wild off the tee and it's not necessarily very penalizing. If he hits 39% of his fairways, like he did when he won here in 2005, he's not going to win the golf tournament. He's got to be straighter off the tee if he wants to, wants to contend. I I, I want to believe, man. I, you know, I've got a I've got a hat on right now with this. Yeah, yeah
0: I I was gonna ask. You're wearing the hat mainly. It's
1: because the Tiger Woods brand hats. Uh, this is a sidebar. I have a head the size of a Spalding basketball, and they actually fit my giant frame. So, but that's that neither here nor there. Now I I, I want to believe. You know, I want to see him play well. We all do. He, it's great for the sport whenever he succeeds. I'm a little worried though about the penalizing rough. And maybe that cool air, getting that back.
2: I'm with you. The thing for me about all the grinding and work he's been putting in this week is it's been fascinating to watch. I mean, he's going up to the greens and snapping balls with the spin rate that he thinks his wedges will come in and watching where they land and putting from those spots. And, you know, he's he's hitting snappy wedges out of the collection area on that drivable par four seventh. Great. That's a lot of work. Why? Because he knows that he can't overpower the course, he knows there are probably 25 guys in this competition who probably have their skill set more honed and are, are just sharper with off the tee and maybe even on the green than he is. So he's trying to win this tournament with his mind, is what it looks like. He's trying to outthink everybody on this course, and it just doesn't look to me like Harding Park. Is a massively strategic. You have to think your way around. The smartest golfer out there is going to win. Type of course. It feels like that's that's the thing that scares me about Tiger this week. I think we're going to get a nice performance out of him. It's going to be fun, but I just feel like there's 20 or 25 guys who are going to be better at this golf course than his mind is going to allow him to be.
1: And we talked. I I agree with you. We talked about it earlier. The greens are largely there's not a lot going on with those greens. That's not a it's not a place where strategy and places to miss, I think is going to have a massive impact. I'm with you. I I think if, I will say this, and I just thought of this, you know, since, you know, the gearing up to the win at the tour championship a couple years ago, his success at the open, and then finally the win at the masters, you know, he's known how he's been able to strategize a way where, look, he's not going to outdrive Bryson and DJ and Kepka and Rory. It's not going to happen, but he can still hit his irons about as good as anybody on the planet. So what he wants to do is put himself in enough positions off the tee where he can give himself scoring opportunities with his approach shots. Now, his approaches might be from – he needs to be better from 175 than Kepka is from 130, than Rory is from 125. Right. You know, that's that's the kind of game he has to play. Now, he's able to do that at Augusta National, and, and that's a place where, like I said, driving accuracy isn't exactly paramount. It really all comes down to strokes gained approach when trying to pick a winner there. This is a little bit different. Like I said, worried about the penalizing rough if he's wild off the tee. I, I like your point though, too, um, Nathan, about uh, the fact that you know he may think he's trying to strategize his way around the golf course, and this might might not be the right fit for that.
0: Well, let, let's all agree. Why don't we all just put a little taste on on top twenty? It's plus odds for him to finish in the top twenty. It's plus one fifty. So if you put a hundred and he makes the top twenty, it's 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 one fifty, and you can tell everybody you rooted for Tiger Woods, you know, in, in, in the first, uh, major of the season. I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a, that's a positive thing, right?
1: Yeah. I'd buy that. I'd buy a top 20. Definitely.
0: Let's let's, oh. let's all do it at, at, at plus odds. JR, tell us about what the 15th club has going on, uh, this week. Where, where, where should we look for, for all your stuff?
1: Uh, check us out at 15 club.com. My Twitter feed is at Justin Ray golf. Um, we've got new content up already today as my computer buzzes and makes noises into the microphone. I apologize. Uh, we've got content up today at the PGA website. That's one of our partners. We work with a lot. Um, we're working with sky sports all week. Uh, so you can find our work there. Um, the PGA of America, we're partners with them this week, helping them out with their content. We're all over the place. So hopefully you get sick of seeing my name and, uh, I tweet something that makes you angry and you can reply, uh, in a nonsensical fashion somewhere on social media, everyone out there.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's what we all do. But you you can't make me or Nate mad. Thanks so much for coming on. We, we love talking to you when it's major time, my brother. Thanks for having me, man. Always enjoy joining you guys. Thank you, Justin. All right, my par-saving pals. There you have it. I hope everybody has strong ROI. This week, great performances in your fantasy and your DFS. Nate and I will be back Sunday evening immediately after this PGA championship has wrapped up and a winner has been crowned. We're going to break it all down for you. And Nate is going to have some special insights from his own perspective. He is going up there. So TPC Harding Park. So he will be walking the grounds. And And he'll have some extraordinary thoughts for us on why it is that the winner did the winning until Sunday night, my par-saving pals. Let's all hit him straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th. And in theaters everywhere, get tickets now.